Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, who's ready for this new series, The Table? Who's ready to jump into the Word of God? Come on. I want you to pull out your Bible. If you got the Bible app, pull it out. If you have something to take notes, I want you to take notes. So excited about this series. The Lord has been speaking so much to me. Excited about our groups that are happening, going through the, little, the Louis Giglio book, The Table. Um, it's been super powerful. I keep hearing all kinds of testimonies and reports of people's lives that are being changed at groups. I want to tell you it's not too late to be a part of a group. If you want to join a group, go to our info center after service. We'll get you plugged in. But I, I want to tell you, a lot of people have been asking me, like, are you going to preach from the book? We're like going through the book. And I'm actually not. The Lord's been giving me some fresh content, some different views. We're going to stay in this vein of the table. Go with me to Psalms chapter 23. Verse one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, to shield me. I shall not want. Can I get an amen from anybody? Come on, I shall not want. He is the shepherd. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still, quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my life. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of doubt, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod to protect me, your staff to guide me, they comfort and console me. You prepare a table for me. In the presence of my enemies, You anoint and refresh my head with your oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me the rest of the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now I think a lot of us, we hear this and we're like, that's awesome, and that's sweet, and I, I hear what you're saying, but that's actually not what my life looks like. My life looks differently. Let me, let me read this a different way. I am my own shepherd, and I'm a mess. I don't have everything I need, that's for sure. I wouldn't know still water if it was staring right at me. I haven't had a good rest in a long time. I don't walk along the path of righteousness. I know fear and evil very well. I seek comfort anywhere I can find it and with anyone. I can't stand my enemies. I actually want to hurt them. My cup overflows with anger and bitterness and sorrow and rage and anxiety. I'm wound so tight, it doesn't take much for me to explode. I don't know what's following me all the days of my life. All I know is that my soul isn't great. And I can assure I've lived both versions of this. 
and you have too, and you know exactly what I'm talking about this morning, and I want to reassure you today, you're at the right place. You are at the right place. The shepherd's going to meet you today and heal and restore your life. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word of God. Holy Spirit, we need you. We desperately need you to come lead and God and direct us. Shepherd, please, Jesus, the great shepherd, please. Please come right now and lead us to victory because we need it. We're hurting. We're frustrated. Life isn't going the way we thought. And we clearly need you, Lord. We love you, and we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Can you get real loud for the worship team this morning? All right, Psalms 23, verse 5. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You've anointed and refreshed my head with your oil. My cup overflows. What does this mean? This means that God has prepared a table for you and him, dinner with Jesus. And not just anywhere, you know. I, I know it's not Jeff Ruby's, you know. I know it's not son of a butcher, you know, or whatever you want to spend your anniversary or special date night. The Lord goes, I have a special table set for me and you actually in the presence of darkness, right in the middle where your enemy is at, where your enemy is looking for opportunities, watching you. The Bible says he prowls around looking for those who he can devour. He's looking for those that he can strike, he can attack. And Jesus goes, in that sunless, dark valley that you're in right now, that is where I'm going to meet you. That's where you will find me at the table, ready to serve up a meal of what? His spirit, to anoint your head so that you come to the place that you actually overflow. That's God's plan. Did you know it's God's plan that when you're at work, you're so full of joy, people are like, what's wrong with you? Can you get out of here with that joyful attitude? And you're like, no, man. I've seen Jesus answer prayers that I couldn't believe. I've seen Jesus do things I couldn't believe. I saw Jesus, the God of the impossible, part the way, part the ocean. I saw him do these things in my life. I saw him heal my marriage. I saw him heal my kids. I saw him heal our finances. I saw him do miracles in my life, and I cannot not talk about it. Can I get an amen from anybody? That's the life that he's called us to live. Now, we see this happening in Peter's life. Jesus meets Peter right at the table, right in the midst of a lot of things going on in his life. Go with me to Luke chapter 5, okay? Luke chapter 5, verse 3. Bye, love you. Oh, she said bye to me. Oh, that was the cutest thing ever. You, oh, Jesus loves you a bunch, okay? Here we go, verse 3. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus said to Simon, its owner, push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught 
the crowds from there. Verse four, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. But Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch anything. But if you say so, we'll let down the nets. Verse eight, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me for I'm a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish he had caught. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Point number one today is this, provide and purpose. Provide and purpose. This is the job of the shepherd. The shepherd's job is to provide and then bring purpose. So Jesus meets Peter where? Right in the middle of dysfunction. Right in the middle of failure. Right in the middle of not his best day. Right in the middle of his frustration, his anger, his disappointment. I mean, think about this. Think about if you worked for two weeks, got up, got ready, went and dealt with all the crazies at work and all the crazy people that come to your work, right? You're all thinking about those crazy people right now, right? worked hard, got to the end of two weeks, pull up your bank account, you're ready for payday, because payday is a good day, right, okay? Everybody gets a little happier on payday, all right? Just a little bit. Get to payday, and it's a bunch of zeros, right? That wouldn't be your best day. That wouldn't be a fun day. That would be a day where you're like, we need to have some conversations. We need to figure some things out because things aren't going the way I expected. This is exactly where Peter is. He's like, we worked hard all night and didn't catch anything. Jesus meets him right in his dysfunction, right in pain. I actually think that Jesus goes, my grace works best right here at the table in the middle of your failure. That's where my grace works the best. That's why I love to meet my people right in the midst when they're freaking out, they can't figure it out, they don't know what's happening. So let me ask this question. Have you ever felt frustrated to provide? Now, unless you are a multi-multi-millionaire in this room, everybody should have their hand up right now, okay? Right? Amen? You felt frustrated? And it, listen, and if you are a multi-multi-millionaire, you can write checks to Elevate Church, okay? <laughs> Big checks, okay? We will take them. Happy, glad, okay? Have you ever felt frustrated to provide? Have you ever felt frustrated in your purpose? I know Peter did. Jesus goes, hey, can you throw out the nets again? And Peter goes, Jesus, you got jokes. You got jokes, are you serious? We've been working all night, fishing all night. We didn't catch anything. Jesus, you got jokes. You want me to believe in my marriage? Do you know how dead my marriage is? Jesus, you got jokes. Do you know how dead my career is? Jesus, you got jokes. Do you know how frustrating my home life is? Peter's frustrated. I don't know about you, but his voice doesn't sound like faith and hope. It sounds more like disappointment and defeat. And I thought about this. I said, well, Lord, 
Why? And the Lord said, because Peter was his own shepherd. Like a lot of us here today. See, Jesus wants to shepherd our life, meaning what? He wants to lead our life. And where will he lead our life to? To victory. But a lot of you, you're the captain of the ship. You're the CEO of your life. You make every decision. Everything is on you. You're the one, you're self-made, right? You make a way, you provide, you figure it out. You know, it's like everybody are, everybody's master researchers anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Google this and search this and I'll figure out a way, I'll figure out a plan. But here's what's so interesting when you're the shepherd of your life, everything is on you. And guess what? Life's really hard. It's really hard when it's all on you. When you have to figure everything out. So Jesus says, hey, Peter, come sit with me at the table. Let me lead you. I'll actually be the one that will be providing for you from now on. I'll lead you to provision. I'll make a way. The other day, it was Thursday, and me and Pastor Matt, we were in the room here, and we were talking just about everything that's going on in the church. And man, there's so many great things going on in the church. We're actually really excited. Next service, there's four people getting baptized next service. In the last two weeks, we've seen 10 people give their lives to Jesus. Isn't that so cool? Come on, it's just so exciting to be part of something alive and moving. And me and Matt, we're talking about this, and we're, we're talking about some future things, and we started talking about Christmas. And I know Christmas feels real far away, but in the church world, there's a lot of planning and preparation for it. And we were talking about our Christmas Eve services. And I looked at Matt and I was like, Matt, I'll be honest, I have no idea what we're gonna do in the breezeway and the foyer to decorate this year. Like, I just, I just, I have nothing right now. It's just like, I'm, my mind is tired. We're running really hard. I just, I, I literally told Matt on Thursday, I said, I don't know what to do. And he looked back at me with a blank stare. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know what to do either. And I was like, great, awesome. And um, so Friday came and Jess said, hey, can we go to lunch and then can we go to Ikea? And I was like, sure. <laughs> sure. Friday was really nice, the sun was out. I wanted to go play golf, you know, we all know and understand that the death is coming, right? Winter is coming, death, gray is coming, okay? And it's just, there's only so many nice days left. And so, so we're at Ikea, and let me tell you how Jess shops, okay? She has to go down every possible aisle there is, no matter what, I mean, okay? And as she goes down, every possible aisle. She now has to touch every possible thing and feel every possible thing and then talk about how this thing could benefit our life, okay? Can I get an amen from all the women, okay? So she's doing the most woman thing you can do at this point. And I just kind of, she kind of gave this remark like, leave me alone, let me do my thing. And I was just kind of like under my breath like, Ugh. You know what I mean? She goes, I heard that. You know what I mean? So then I decided to do the most man thing I could do, and I just decided to walk away, okay? I mean, I'm just gonna go figure out something else to do. 
So I'm just wandering the store. You know, you ever see people in a store and you're like, what are you doing with your life? Are you lost? You know what I mean? They're just like wandering around. They'll say hi to you and you're like, do I know you? You know what I mean? I'm that guy, okay? I mean, I'll get into a conversation with anybody, okay? As I'm wandering the store, and sure enough, I just wander into what? The Christmas section. And as soon as I walked up, it was like the light bulb went off. I saw some stuff, light bulb went off, I knew exactly, actually called Matt, it's his day off, and he's like, why are you calling me on my day off? You know what I mean? Like, I know what we're gonna do for Christmas in the lobby. And I was so excited, and I got off the phone with, with Matt, and the Holy Spirit just said, I'll always lead you if you let me. And I'll always provide if you let me. You don't have to figure everything out, Jeff. You don't have to have the perfect plan. You don't have to have the perfect strategy. I have the strategy. I have the plan, and I will lead you to it. Can I get an amen from anybody? Right? He says, just come sit at the table with me. Come sit down. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me direct your life. So the Lord, he'll lead and God, and he'll direct us to where? To provision. He'll provide for us. And then once he has provided for us, what happens? Then we have the opportunity for him to do what? Give us purpose. Because now he's got our attention. Have you ever had a moment in your life like you lost a job? And then the Lord like came right behind that and like provided for you, made a way for you, gave you a new job, gave you some extra finances. And you're like, oh my gosh, God, that was totally you. Can I, right? Anybody testify of that? Yeah, the way I got one person, thank you, right? And, and when that happens, all of a sudden God has your attention. So God's got Peter's attention. So now he goes, I wanna talk to you about your purpose because so many of us believe that our purpose is simply more. And I love that God didn't stop there, right? So God provided, most scholars believe that God provided to Peter one year's worth of wages in that one moment. How cool is that? He went from nothing to a year's worth of wages in a second. And most of us at that moment would be like, Thank you, Jesus. Bye. See you later. Have a nice trip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with all this money I have now. I'm all good. I'm going to get more now. We're good. We'll see you. Come back in a year when I need some more. So many of us believe that the purpose of our life is simply more. Simply more sports, more money, more trips, more experiences, more clubs for your kids. It's just more. And so many are living frustrated, disillusioned lives because why? You have no real purpose. Your purpose is simply, once I get this house, then I'll be happy. But what happens when you get the house? What happens when you get that trip? What happens when your kid wins that award? What happens? Well, when you have no purpose, you simply go, well, we gotta get more. Because all of us are old enough and smart enough in this room to know and understand now that once you receive it, 
it's cool for a moment and it feels good for a moment and you get a quick hit of dopamine and it feels all good for a day and you're on cloud nine and you're telling everybody on social about it, but you know two days later what's gonna happen. You're gonna be looking for the next. You got no purpose. So Jesus comes along and he says, no, we're not gonna just end the story here on me giving you a bunch of fish. Now I'm actually gonna give you purpose for your life, Peter. Your life is gonna actually equate for more than just being a fisherman. I'm gonna have you fish for people. I'm gonna actually use your life to destroy the works of the devil. Ooh, did you hear that? That God wants to use you to destroy the works of the devil. That there are people that you're connected to today that their marriage is failing, and if you will love on them, if you'll invite them to church, if you'll tell them about Jesus, if you'll speak into their lives, their marriage will actually be healed and the plan that the devil had for them will be destroyed because of you. That's exciting. God gives purpose. Point number two is this. You don't belong at the table. In seventh grade, um, you guys have heard my story. My parents split up when I was young. I, uh, gosh, grew up my grandparents. My grandpa got cancer, passed away on my 11th birthday, and um, changed my life. And me and my grandma, we had to move and uh, had to change schools. And so I'm in seventh grade, and I show up to our new school and I kind of identify the basketball players and the people that I wanted to be with. And um, I finally actually got enough courage, um, got brave enough to decide that I was gonna go and sit at the table with them at lunch. Now, if you think that your life is scary, go to a middle school lunchroom. That is like the scariest thing you've ever been to in your entire life, okay? And so, I got my lunch, I'm super nervous. Uh, you know, I'm hoping, believing that they're gonna let me come sit by them. And so I come to the table and the table is full. And I'm like, just like, just please, please, just be like, hey, you play basketball, right? Come sit with us. I'll never forget, there's this kid named Shondell. And he looked at me and he said, you think you're gonna sit at this table with that trash outfit that you have on? We were just poor. And like, how many of you remember like Tommy jeans? Like, man, like Tommy, like Tommy, the cargo, you know, Tommy jeans, you know what I mean? Like, I, we, I couldn't afford Tommy jeans. I couldn't afford Jordans. And so he said, you think you're gonna sit here with that trash outfit? And I, I just froze. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And I'll never forget, he like kind of like turned around towards me and I looked down at him and he punched me in the stomach. And I dropped my tray and I'll never forget these words. He literally used these words. He said, you do not belong at this table. And I think the enemy is working so hard to convince you that you don't belong at this table. He actually pulls up a table, meant, a chair meant 
to sit at the table when you're meant to have dinner with Jesus and he comes to your table and he goes, who do you think you are? You really think you're the righteousness of God? I know what you did on Friday night. That's not who you are. You're not righteous. Who do you think you are? I, I know what you say. I know what you do. I know how you act. You're a hypocrite. How dare you go to church on Sunday morning? How dare you worship? Don't you know God's so disappointed in you? And he is working so hard to make sure you know that you don't belong at the table with Jesus. The table that The table Jesus paid for with his blood. All those sin, all that guilt, all that shame, he actually put it in his body. He let them beat him, crucify him. He paid a super high price so that you could have a seat at the table. But the enemy worked so hard to tell you, you don't belong there. And we see this in John 21. Peter, he says this, he goes, I'm going fishing. He says, I'm going back to my old life. Jesus got arrested. Jesus was crucified. Jesus is gone. The enemy got a seat at his table. Peter goes, you know what? I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to what I understand. He actually leaves his purpose, the plan that the shepherd gave him. He goes, I'm going to go back. Luke chapter 22, verse 54, says this. Since they arrested him and led him, this is Jesus, to the high priest, Peter followed at what? A distance. Isn't this an interesting perspective? That Peter that was close to Jesus, walked with Jesus, knew Jesus for three years, saw him perform miracles, did miracles for him. Now when Jesus is arrested, he's not walking with him. He's actually walking at a distance. Says so they lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard. Servant girl noticed and began to stare at him. Finally, she said, this man is one of Jesus' followers. And this is what Peter says. I don't even know him. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this man. I don't know this purpose. L listen, this is what the enemy is so good at getting you to do, is compromising. Jesus comes, he heals, he restores you, and then the enemy has one purpose in mind, to compromise everything that God has done in your life. Verse 58, someone else noticed him. You must be one of them. He says, no, I'm not. Hours later, I love it, hours later, meaning this, that he's had time to process, he's had time to think, he's had time to have remorse, like I can't believe that I denied Jesus twice. Hours later, they press him again. You must be one of them. And he says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And in verse 62, it says that Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. So 
This is what happens. The enemy comes to your table and goes, well, you really messed up this time. You really blew it. You know, come on, let's, let's just be real with each other. We knew, both of us, it was just a matter of time. It would just be a matter of time that you would walk away from Jesus. It would be a matter of time that you'd go back to your old life. It would be a matter of time that you would give up. The enemy goes, man, this righteousness of God thing sounds really good, but who could ever really live it out, right? I mean, who could? And he goes, you know, hey, I want you to have some comfort. I sure couldn't. So I just gave up, and you should give up too. There's no point. You're a failure. You're always going to be a failure. God's plans, this is, the, this is the, the real lie. He goes, God's plans, they sound really good. But man, they're hard to work out. Man, they're hard to achieve. And we're sitting at the table that we are supposed to be communicating with Jesus. We're supposed to be receiving from Jesus. But the enemy has pulled up a seat. It's like when you decide that you're going to go out to eat with a friend and you're really excited about that moment and you can't wait to just be with that friend and have a conversation with them and just catch up and just be restored and like be, you know, filled up through that moment. But one of your other friends that just invites himself, you know what I'm talking about, that friend? that has no, you know, social tack, and they'll just be like, oh, you're going to dinner on Friday night? I'll meet you there. And you're like, I never invited you. I never asked you. That's the enemy. He just pulls up a seat real quick. And he has one purpose in mind. He wants to create a barrier between you and the table. A barrier called what? Sin. A barrier called guilt. A barrier called shame. And he's really good at it. He's really good at telling you that you're a failure. He's really good at convincing you that God made a mistake with you. He's really good at telling you that the plans that God had for you were not true, weren't right, and he will create this barrier. He's got one purpose in mind. He wants to steal kill and destroy your life. He wants to take you away from the table where he knows that you'll receive what? The oil. He will work so hard to bring you back into your old life, into old thoughts, old ways, old addictions. He wants to trap you in sin and pride and lust. But you know what I love about God? This is my favorite part about God. This is my favorite part about Jesus. He is the God of second chances. <laughs> Can I get an amen from anybody? And here's what's super cool. He's not just the God of second chances. He's actually the God of like third chances and eighth chances and 25 chances. When I was a youth pastor back in the day, I created this game 
for our summer camp. I called it Death Mountain, okay? That, now, the Bible says that the power of words, your words have the power of life and death in them. And I decided as the youth pastor to call our big camp game Death Mountain, okay? And I decided we had this huge, huge, massive hill. And I said, we're gonna put visqueen on it and we're gonna put water on it and, and water's gonna go down it with soap. And instead of the kids going down, we're actually gonna send them up and they're gonna play like King of the Mountain on this thing, okay? King of the Mountain. An hour later, we sent nine kids to the ER. And that's nine. I mean, broken ankles. Girl had a pinky that was going out this way. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like serious injury. And I'm out there, Death Mountain, yeah! Let's go! Get these weaklings out of here, you know what I mean? I mean, there's kids coming down, like there's video to this day, like kids coming down the, the mountain and then hitting the grass and in the grass just like burning their legs and like stripping off skin and they're like bleeding. And I'm like, go back up the mountain, let's go, you know? An hour later, I kid you not, our associate pastor comes out in the golf cart. He goes, stop the game, stop the game. I'm super thankful for second chances, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I'm super thankful. They should have fired me. If, if Pastor Adam did that with our youth kids, I would fire him. I'm telling you right now, okay? They should have fired me. But I'm super thankful for second chances. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a little hard-headed. God will lead me to victory and I'll reject it sometimes. John 21, Jesus calls out, followers, have you caught any fish? No, they responded. Throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul the nets in because they were so full of fish. And I never saw this before. The Lord just put it together for me. This is the same verbiage in John chapter five. Same verbiage. Jesus goes, hey, did you catch anything? They go, no, we didn't catch anything. Jesus goes, throw your net on the other side, you'll catch something. John 21, here's Jesus again. Same verbiage. Hey guys. I know you went back to your old life. I know you went back to what was comfortable. I know you went back to the past. Did you get anything? No? Okay, throw it out on this side. <laughs> you know what I love about this? Is that Jesus, even in their failure, disappointment, and their sin, Jesus shows grace that they don't deserve. He shows mercy that they don't deserve. And what does he do? He brings Peter right back to the table. Right back to the presence of him. And, and this is what he says to Peter. After breakfast, can you imagine a Jesus breakfast? Man, it's gotta be good. It's gotta be like the best French toast you've ever ate in your entire life. I mean, the best scrambled eggs, like 
best orange juice freshly squeezed from Jesus himself. I mean, this has got to be a good breakfast, okay? And I know we're all hungry right now. And you're like, don't be talking about some food up in here. Jesus served him fresh bread and fish. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And his response was, you know I love you. And Jesus' response is, feed my lambs. So the shepherd takes Peter right back to the table and does what? Reaffirms. So when my, when my boys make mistakes, it's my job as a father to do what? Reaffirm to them, that's not who you are. That's not who God called you to be. That's not your character. That's not your nature. You're not a liar. You're not a cheater. You're not a lustful person. That's not who you're called to be. You are called to be a man of God. You are called to walk in victory. You are called to do the things of God. This is who you are. My job as a father is to reaffirm to them their identity and their purpose. So when Jesus brings Peter back to the table, he's reaffirming to Peter, this is who I called you to be. I know you went back to your old life because you thought there was life in your old life, but there is no life in your old life. There's only life in the life that I've given you. Now come back to the life that I have for you. He reaffirms to us who we are. Woo! Verse 16, he asked him a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He says, you know he says, you know, Jesus, you know I love you. You know I love you. Why is Jesus asking them a second time? Because what did the word say? He will set a table in the presence of who? Your enemy, your accuser, the one who accuses you day and night. He'll set a table right in the midst of the enemy. And he goes, I want the enemy to know what I think about you. I want the enemy to know who you are. I want the enemy to know how I'm gonna use your life to destroy his works. I want him to hear that I am the God who loves you and forgives you and heals you and restores you. I want the enemy to watch as I restore your soul. I want him to see this moment. Third time, third time he asked him. And Peter responds, you know everything. There's nothing I can't hide from you. You know everything. You know, Jesus, I love you. Why did Jesus press him a third time? Because Jesus is ending that sin pattern in his life. At the table, At the table, you let down your pride. At the table, you let go of your lust. At the table, you let go of, of, of sinful patterns, addictions, things that have been plaguing your life since you were young. You let those things go at the table with Jesus, and then he anoints you 
with the Holy Spirit. He anoints you with his presence. He anoints you with his glory. He anoints you with his power and his strength. And he says, I know that you haven't been able to overcome this, but now because of my strength, now because of my power, now because of my glory, you're gonna overcome. You are an overcomer. Son, daughter, this is who you are. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you and I'm well pleased with you and I got you and I'm gonna lead you to victory. I'm gonna lead you the provision. I've got your back. Now Peter can do what? He can walk through the sunless, dark valley of death and have what? No fear. He's got no fear. Why? Because he knows who he is in the Lord. He knows what God has said about him. He knows that God is his provision. He knows that he knows that God will never leave him or forsake him. He knows that the goodness of God will lead him to the places that he'll rest in the green pastures, to the peaceful streams, to the place where he has no needs. He now can walk through that valley and know, even though my enemy surrounds me, even though the world is crashing around me, I'm all good because I got my shepherd with me and he's leading me to the other side. Can I get an amen from anybody? Come on, I want you to stand up and we're gonna worship. Worship brings the presence of the Lord. Worship brings us into the holies of holies. That's my prayer. Lord, take us from the outer courts to the inner courts to the holies of holies where we can come boldly to your throne of grace and receive everything we need for our present time, everything we need for our current situation, everything that we're going through at your throne room, Lord. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. And we get there by praise. We get there by worship. We get there by honoring Jesus. Come on, I want you to raise your hands today. Father, I thank you for your people. Holy Spirit, I'm calling on you right now. Come be the great shepherd. Lead them through the dark valley. Lead them out of sin. Lead them out of the muck and the mire. Bring freedom. Bring joy. Bring hope. Bring grace. Bring strength right now. Holy Spirit, you know what they need. I don't. You do. Come meet their needs according to your great riches and glory. Come meet their needs by your power and your grace and your spirit. Meet them right where they're at, Lord. Come on, let's worship.